Hey everyone, this is Chris and Sandy Bent with the Chris and Sandy Show, where we get up close and personal with some amazing guests throughout the entertainment industry. And today, like I say on every episode, we've got a great show for you. We got Garfield Wilson coming on. We're excited to have him on. He's yes. part of a show called Snow Piercer and also the Astronauts, which our son look, just adores. So we're going to yes. be excited to talk about both of those shows and what's going on with him and a little bit of his story. Let's just see where this goes. So Garfield, welcome to the welcome. show. Hey guys, so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. This is awesome. Oh, it's definitely our pleasure. Here. Thank God for technology, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I had a little, little technical issues getting in here. I'm, I'm happy it worked out. It worked out. <laughs> yes. um, now, as you know, we're, it's tough for the entertainment industry right now. And I always mm -hmm. like to start the show out the same as I do it, you know, while we're going through all this all right. together. Um, yeah. How has COVID affected what you do? And what have you done to kind of maneuver through that? Well, in terms of the um, film industry here in Vancouver, it was uh, during the, the shutdown from March, April, May, mm -hmm. and then the economy started opening up in June, things were up in the air. I mean, it was really, really precarious, and, and there was a lot of anxiety and fear, and a lot of unknown as to whether or not or how we were going to continue on doing productions and, uh, and, and producing shows and being on set and creating an environment where everybody was safe. And so the beginnings of that during August was, uh, was really everybody was on the edge of their seats. But I can, I'm very, very happy to say that in British Columbia, Canada right now, especially in Vancouver, uh, they've got their systems and protocols down to a fine, fine art. Oh, We're wow. yeah. It was three times a week. Um, there's red zones and yellow zones for, for crew and for actors. Um, there's only a number of um, uh, a certain capacity for individuals that mm -hmm. are in the space where the actors are, especially when we're on camera and we can't wear our face coverings and our uh, yes. and things like that. And, uh, and also on top of that, before the COVID shutdown, there were times where I'd be on productions and I'd be on set for maybe eight hours, but most of the times it was like 12 to 16 hours, depending wow. on the production, like really long days. And now with COVID, they really want to make, want to make sure that nobody gets fatigued. Because, you know, when you get over, yeah. you're more susceptible to getting sick. Uh, and that's so right. They, it's a really strict, like, eight to 10-hour shutdown. Oh, wow. We, we hmm. came back in August. I think we were done four episodes of The Astronauts before the mm -hmm. shutdown. Mm -hmm. And when we came back in, in August, there was a very, very strict 10-hour shut. Like, we're wrapping things up in 10 wow. hours. So there was, mm -hmm. there was more of an efficient nature to, to uh, getting scenes and getting mm -hmm. everybody in and getting everybody prepared so that nobody's in that space for an extended period of time just hanging around, you know, breathing yeah. each other's yeah. air. Like that. So I'm really, really impressed with... Uh, with the protocols that they've they've uh, they put into place here in Vancouver, really really impressed. Yeah, yeah. That's like with our show. You know, we launched January third of twenty twenty. Yes, uh, so, a we just, months so we just so we just so right before the shutdown. So our original plan was a hundred interviews first year. We thought if we could do a hundred interviews, it'd be a great foundation for the show. Um, then COVID happened. Yes, and I was like whoa, this could be our opportunity to really shine out there and just be, you know, kind of like, you know, artists and actors and all that. They're going to need a place to talk. Yes. And we're going to, and we're going to give that to them. So we huh. stepped it up and we did over 300 interviews last year because of that. Yes. Oh, wow. Bravo. Bravo. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank and because you. of that, We've gotten bigger people that we normally wouldn't have gotten. Like we yes. had Randy Travis on, but that was pretty oh, cool. Wow. You know, wow. so wow. so you it's like you 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 guys are what we would call crushing the game. <laughs> <laughs> We're trying, you know. You know, it's crazy because when you look at it, it you know, crazy. four or five years from now, if we're like a Bobby Bones show or a Ty Bentley or Ryan Seacrest, one of the Kelly Clarkson shows, yeah. at that level, we'll be able to look back and actually say COVID is the reason because it's, oh, yeah. it it kind of catapulted the show. Mm -hmm. Like you, you guys have literally had a COVID gift. 
<laughs> I mean, I wish a lot of people could say that, you know, we don't want to make light of the no. deaths that no, happen. No, no, but, at the same, but at the same time, you know, you, when something happens, you have to find that silver lining. And we yeah, sure did. Try to make the best well, in the situation. Yeah, it looks like you guys looked at it as, a, as an opportunity for growth and 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 to 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 deal with that adversity and really really like push forward and I really really admire you guys for doing that. My question for you is: Was it going to be like a uh, an in studio talk show? Did you guys have like a a, a stage and everything? <laughs> What's funny is we started out as an audio yeah. podcast slash country music interview show. That's oh, yeah. yeah, because a lot of our connections were in Nashville. Mm. Um, so we we started there, and we weren't, and that was really where we were going to stick. But God kind of lifted this door up, and, and now the plan and, and is now something like that. To be honest, okay. we want a Kelly Clarkson show. Oh man! So. COVID yes. has kind of stepped our vision of the show up. And we're like, you know what? We've done all this. We've done probably more interviews than in a year's time than most hosts will ever do. And we're like, you know what? We can handle the interviews. We can handle whoever, you know, I'm good with just winging it. I mean, I always yes. have a little base, but I love a conversation. I'm a conversationalist. Oh, yeah. And we're like, you know what? Let's just go for the top and we'll just keep interviewing. Let's see where this thing goes. That's amazing. <laughs> That's amazing. It's so awesome that you guys like, you know, have that inspired drive. I really align with that. You know, when you when you have a vision and then you see an opportunity like this could actually be bigger than we thought. Let's just yeah. go. That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> And that's why we like bringing people like you on and artists and the oh, rising yeah. artists, mm -hmm. rising actors, rising authors. Because, mm -hmm. again, you know, when you're around people that don't have a vision, I leave the conversation really quick, to be honest with you. A lot of times <laughs> yeah. I want to be around people that that are going somewhere because then it rubs then they rub off on you and you rub yeah, off on them. Yeah, are passionate about yeah. what they and that's why we love, love this show because we get to bring people like you on who are very passionate about what they do and they know it and they have no problem sharing it. Oh man, that's awesome. That's awesome. I mean, like that, that kind of energy gets me hyped up. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> so as we get started a little bit, um, at what age did you know that you wanted, not necessarily know that you want to be an actor, but when did it click for you? that this could actually be a career? Five years old. And wow. Five years old. I remember yeah. being in England because I, I was born in England with my older brother, my younger sister, my parents, who are Jamaican. And, uh, and my dad brought home, you know those double vinyl albums? Where you yeah. Know, yeah. The bigger picture and stuff? He brought home, brought home this uh, double vinyl album of the Jackson 5. And when you oh, wow. It, when you open it up, you saw all the brothers, right? right. And I had this nice, nice little crop afro. And as soon as Michael, I'm like, that afro looks like my afro. And then my other brother had a big afro. And his afro looked like Jermaine's afro. So I'm like, oh, you be Jermaine. And we just started, and because they both sang the most, we uh -huh. just imitated that. And I started seeing footage of the Jackson 5, and I just really aligned with, Little Michael Jackson, and and that bridged into like uh, Stevie Wonder, uh, oh, wow. Ray, Bob Marley, and and just watching all those stars do their thing on stage. And I originally thought that I was going to be uh, a singer dancer because that's what I put yeah. all my energies to. And that progressed uh, through elementary school, uh, being in the choirs, to junior high school, and then when I got Right out, right before, right after I got out of college, I was in a music program in in Edmonton, Alberta, uh, Grammy Coon College, focusing on jazz music, pop music, and really, really focusing my energies on being a musician. Oh wow! I was doing this show with an, a funk R and B soul cover band that I was a lead singer of. I had we literally yeah. like a Lenny Kravitz knockoff. I had long dreadlocks. We had the 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 vest and the beads and everything and we we're very very popular and a stage manager 
uh, from music musical theater company saw me and they were doing a production of Jesus Christ Superstar. And oh. like, you gotta come and try out for Jesus Christ Superstar. We think he could be Judas. And I got that role. <laughs> of all people, right? Yeah. Oh my God, I got the role of Judas. <laughs> but, I, but I actually saw the, um, the television movie, like the Carl Weathers and uh, uh, that movie. And I was really um, struck by that performance. And I was, and I was almost, overwhelmed because it was just so scary as far as the vocal uh, challenge that it was and the mm -hmm. iconic story that this yeah. was. And I jumped in with both feet. It was super scary, but it, I, it, was, it turned out to be very, very successful. And I caught the acting bug in right. that, that time. Oh, wow. And then I just progressed to, uh, to moving to Vancouver. Again, still trying to, to be a musician. And then uh, <laughs> uh, mine that was... Uh, that didn't work out, you know? And you guys know from being connected to, to Nashville, you can have so much talent, you can have all the things, like if all the stars don't align and something just doesn't click with a song yeah. or whatever yeah. with, it just doesn't happen. Some, sometimes it's just as much luck as it is talent. Mm -hmm. And that never happened, but I never took my foot out of the music industry. And a, and a, a good friend of mine told me that in Vancouver, there are a lot of film productions that are that are filmed in Vancouver and mm -hmm. people from the United States. And to make those productions authentic, they would need diversity in their cast. And oh, so I, yeah. I went to uh, I went to the classifieds and I looked at agencies. So uh, we'll, we'll go into the paper and look into the classifieds. <laughs> <laughs> and I saw an agency that I liked the name of and I went down to that agency, knocked on the door and said, look, I saw your ad in the paper. I think I could do some extra work and background work. Mm -hmm. And she was like, I think that you could do well as an actor. Let's just send you to some oh, wow. preliminary acting classes, on-camera acting classes, and see how it goes. And I never thought that thought of that. And I was just looking to make a little bit of extra money. And sure. then I really loved diving into those characters in acting class. And mm -hmm. then uh, and then a casting director around that time really liked me, and I ended up getting all these small actor credits, like um, <laughs> Angel, um, Stargate, all these different productions uh, that were filming here in Vancouver. And uh, and then I, you know, my my then wife and I were having children, and you know, acting is like fleeting; it's up and down. It, there's no yeah. really. And so I decided, you know, I'm only getting these small actor roles. I'm not making a lot of money. It's very fleeting. I want to go into something that generates more consistent income because we're yeah. having babies. That and makes sense. It does. Babies are expensive. So yeah, yes, are. I end up um, becoming a personal trainer and owning my own corporation called Forward Fitness Incorporated. I did that for 10 years. Oh, wow. And then around that time, during that time of 10 years of being a personal trainer became very successful. And I ended up uh, training a couple of actors that were friends of mine. Mm -hmm. And one of them, uh, Chayla Horsdale, who I ended up working with on uh, Man in the High Castle, she was one of the lead on that show, said to me, you gotta train my friend, Natasha Trisco. She would oh. love you, and she happened to be her agent. So I ended up training her for like two years, not even oh, talking wow. about the acting industry, because yeah. I said goodbye to yeah. that. And so, after two years, she got super busy because her agency grew and grew and grew, and then she started having babies. And then I, I ended up uh, doing a reality series. This is just a crazy story. I'm doing a reality series called Village on a Diet, which was Canada's version of The Biggest Loser. So oh, I was wow. the trainer, and my buddy was the cop trainer, right? Oh, wow. <laughs> and, uh, and I needed someone to look at the contract because CBC – uh, this television network that was broadcasting it uh, submitted a contract to us, and I just yeah. didn't really think the contract was very good. So I asked Natasha if she could like look at it because I knew she was in the industry. Yeah. She looked at it and says, "Why don't you guys send me your resumes if you have anything, and I'll and I'll and I'll sign you and negotiate this for you and pro bono and all that stuff." Oh wow! And wow. I said, "Cool, that's awesome. Thank you so much." <laughs> As your trainer, thank you so much. <laughs> so I sent her my resume. And she goes, wait a second, you're you're an actor. And I said, eh, not really. I'm just, you know, I'm a trainer. I used to do that, but now I'm a trainer and I'm gonna do that. So you can't get that out of your blood. And then she goes, 
well, why don't I send you on auditions? And uh, my ex-wife and I at the time said, you know, we decided as a family that we wouldn't do that anymore because it was just, you, you can either focus on personal training and build that and yeah. have a company or really go into acting. There's, you can't do both. Yeah. You know, this is what we thought. And so for two years, I said no to Natasha. You sent me these auditions, I said no, no, no. And then one audition that she had for me, which was a pilot episode, um, it was around 2012, okay? And my day would start at six o'clock in the morning, I would train clients, I would have a couple of breaks, train more clients and then end the day. And she sent me this audition and it was during my break, like at a three hour break. And normally I would just go into my car, watch some Netflix, eat, have a nap and go back to training. And I thought to myself, you know, why don't I, why don't I go to this audition? And so I talked to my, ex, my, my, my then wife and I said, I got this audition, what do you think? And she says, well, you know, we decided that, that, that we shouldn't do that. I mean, if you go back into that, you're gonna have to cancel clients and we could lose money, you could lose your business. Let's not do that. And I go, and I go yeah, you know, you're right. Next day, I'm in the car, I'm thinking, I mean, what have I got to lose? I'm not gonna get this. So I go down <laughs> the and I, I have a superpower where I can memorize lines very quickly. And oh, just, wow. right? So I go down to the audition. I didn't have a headshot, I didn't have a resume. And so I'm sitting <laughs> in the waiting room and it was for an Android, okay? Mm -hmm. So I, I decided just to, just to, one of the things that I, let me back it up. One of the things that's really tough about going to auditions, mm -hmm. it's not necessarily the room because the room can be really nerve wracking, but yeah. some yeah. waiting room, actors can be really distracting. They can talk oh, a lot. Wow. They can, you know, sometimes they'll be jovial or they'll go into the room and they'll come back and they'll stay too long. So instead of engaging in the room because it was really packed with a lot of dudes, I just pretended that I was gonna fall asleep. I was just gonna like, <laughs> I literally fell asleep. Cassie Richards came out. <laughs> she wow. said, look guys, for this role, we don't want any robot movements. We don't want anybody to sound like data. Just be okay. a humanoid android. And I was thinking to myself, well, that was, that's good because I didn't prepare any robot voices, which is great. So, <laughs> and normally when I, before, when I go into an audition, I didn't really have a lot of skills. I would try to be what they were looking for. Yeah. And on this particular day, I didn't care. You. I just didn't care. Yeah, I thought, you know, I got to get back from my client because I don't want to be late. So I go into the room and I didn't have any fear. I just said, so what's going on here? Are we inside or outside? Cassie Richard goes, uh, you're inside. Is there anybody else in the room? Is it just me and the detective? Yeah, just me and the detective. Am I oh, sitting, wow. standing? Wow. I'm just like asking all these questions. I <laughs> have enough guts to ask, right? And so I said, well, let me just sit down. So I sat down, I did the audition, and then she says, you know what? That was, that was really nice. Can you do that again? I go, yeah, sure. So I did it again <laughs> and I leave, okay? I leave and I go back to training my clients. This is on a Thursday. At the end of my workday, Natasha emails me and said, look, Garfield, they really like what you're doing. Can you go back and see them tomorrow at <laughs> uh, one o'clock in the afternoon, right? Mm -hmm. I'm thinking it's a callback. I look at myself yeah. before the next day and I've got eight hours of training. So I email her back and I said, no, I can't come <laughs> tomorrow. <laughs> I got time on Monday between one and four. I'm good, right? Thinking to myself, okay, they're never going to want to see me for a callback if I say I can't yeah. come. Today. Yeah. And then I don't have to tell my wife at the time that I went to the audition when we decided as a family I wasn't going to go to this audition. Oh, yeah. rolls around. And I'm training my clients, and then at 11 o'clock in the morning, somewhere around there, Natasha says, okay, we'll see you at 1.30. Be at the Vancouver Film Studios. So I'm like, oh. <laughs> so, okay, I'll, I go, I'll go down for this callback. I'm driving in my car, and I'm thinking to myself, I don't have a headshot, I don't have a resume. Do they have more lines? So I call her in a pack, hey, do I need any of that stuff? She goes, Garfield, just go down to the studio. Go down <laughs> to the studio, there's two dudes that are twins, uh, an Asian dude, another white dude, the, the twins are white, and me. And I'm looking, thinking, this is the weirdest callback I've ever been to. <laughs> three, three men come in and look at us and they go, 
Okay. Let's fit them for contact lenses. Contact lenses. Okay. Weird, con weird callback. Yeah. Put green contact <laughs> in my eyes. I'm thinking, okay, I'm, this is this will show you how long it's been since I've been in the industry. So this is on a Monday. Then they go and take my sizes. I'm still thinking this is a callback. And then the wardrobe person says, okay, we'll see you Wednesday. And I go, Wednesday, Wednesday. Wow. You're on set on Wednesday. Uh, wow. wow. <laughs> Normally you think, oh my God, I got the gig, right? I'm thinking, you're like, oh God, I got the gig. <laughs> I'm thinking my wife is going to kill me. <laughs> she doesn't want any of this. I come back that night. And uh, I tell my wife, <laughs> and I'm in the doghouse, legitimately in the doghouse, and justifiably so because I'd lied and said I wasn't going to do this, and then I did this. So, yeah. Long, longer story. <clears throat> there was so much chaos because I had to cancel clients, cover them. I was on set for 12 days. Wow. My my then wife was not very happy. We had two babies, Come and at on. the end of that, I bring home the check, and it's sort of like. Twelve or thirteen thousand dollars. She goes, "Oh, okay, you're lucky." <laughs> and then, <laughs> then after that, we uh, it got it got picked up for thirteen episodes. Oh wow! That series regular role with J.J. Abrams' name on my on my uh, on my resume sent me from like going from paramedic number two to thug number two to like guest starring in lead roles, and then uh. The rest is kind of history. I mean, it was very much an up and down road from there, but that it was like, moment, yeah, that put me in a different category as far mm -hmm. as what I was auditioning for, and uh, and it's been uh, an absolute blessing since. I mean, in all honesty yeah. speaking, um, there was a lot of up and downs, and me learning some really good life lessons along and the way. And let's talk about that side of it a little bit. Since we talked about about the glory side a little bit, I always like to go the other way. Yeah. As you know, um, there's a lot of sacrifice. A lot of people, they see the glory of like a Brad Pitt, uh, Angelina Jolie and all that, but they don't see the grind, the sacrifice, the tears, the struggles that it takes to get not just to their level, but even a career level like yourself. And I always want to talk about that. I'm going to tell a quick story, and I think you'll – enjoy this that helped guide us where I want this to go but back in 2014 this has to do with an artist but to me artists and actors are basically on the same level to, right. of what it takes to oh, get yeah. to the top I mean it's almost identical and we interviewed Allison Steele from Two Steel Girls and at that time her and her daughter were full-time with music and I asked Allison what advice she would give an up-and-coming artist and I'll never forget what she said. She said, this is going to sound funny coming from someone full time. But if you can see yourself doing something else, then go do that and just keep this as a hobby. She goes, because the moment you want it to be a career, everybody kind of owns a piece of you from that moment on. You no longer own your life. Um, your friends and relatives never understand because, you know, they invite you to weddings, to cookouts, to to um, weekends or holidays. But when you're in that grind mode, you you got to say no to everything yeah. and be and be over here at, at no matter what happens. And then she said, then your family has to sacrifice. They kind of got to give you up to the world and say, okay, I'm willing to share you with the world. But then she added, but if you cannot see yourself doing anything else, then go all in. Because the only way that those kind of sacrifices could ever be worth it what do you think of what she said? Let's talk about that side of it some. I really connect with that. I really, really connect with that because, you know, when you're grinding it out, when you're, when you go from the highs and lows of like the rejection of not getting a gig or mm -hmm. not getting the callback or, or anything like that, to getting a gig that you think in your mind is going to be the thing that puts you over, those those things are really destabilizing. And I was going to talk about the work-life balance, and I really connect with that going all in. But at the same time, you really have to what – I, what I, what, my philosophy now is you know, not looking at other people's journey because every artist yeah. has one particular mm -hmm. journey that doesn't align with anyone else's. And so for me – I would look at people that I admired, like Denzel Washington, Idris Elba, Viola Davis, 
Meryl Streep, all these amazing artists, and look at their career trajectory and think, how can mine mirror and that? Will Smith, I mean, you don't get no more all oh in than Will Smith. Will Smith, for sure, absolutely. His journey is like crazy, especially the time he landed Fresh Prince of Bel-Air because he was oh, destitute yeah. at that time. But I mean, to your point, the struggles, you really have to align with your truth. Yeah. And what do you want to do as an artist and what you want to have happen out of this life and what that means for you and not have your self-worth and self-esteem connected to what gig you're doing. Yeah. Right. Right. So, you know, I've made a number of mistakes along the way that sacrificed my time with my family, and mm -hmm. those things are not negotiable anymore. You know, they yeah, exactly. have to be mm -hmm. taken away from from uh, from them because of work. When I am working mm -hmm. with, with with like perfect example is we went to Disneyland with the kids, their first Disneyland uh, trip. And I landed a role, and I just finished a role on a CW show, a very, very high-rated CW show. Uh, and um, and during the middle of our Disneyland trip, I got a call saying they wanted me to come back in and do another scene for this. Oh, wow. My mind, I was thinking, oh, my God, this is such, you know, to be wanted like that and to be on this big show could mm -hmm. really launch the career or mean something yeah. And, yeah. and be that provider for my family and have it may be of big financial gain for me. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. What ended up happening was I flew back in the middle of our trip and then flew back to end the trip to Disneyland. And if I had wow. to do it over again, I would have said, you know, I really appreciate the opportunity. I really enjoyed my time on set, but I'm with my family on this family vacation. Yeah. And, you know what I mean? So those yeah. life lessons were really important for me to have, and I don't sacrifice that anymore. Um, and then as far as aligning myself on the grinds of it, I had a paradigm shift about three or four years ago. And it goes back to that audition where, where before I left to do personal training, where I was trying to be what I thought they wanted to see in the room. Yeah. And this was attributing to my acting coach, Deb Podowski, who I spent for now about the eight years training with her in scene study class. And what I discovered was acting for me is about being in a conversation. Like this to me today is a great conversation. I love this conversation. I love the energy of it. And I'm really awake in this conversation. And, it, and there's so many nuances in how we're connecting, you know, mm -hmm. And when I look at a breakdown of a character and the lines and everything, I read it like a book and I try to understand what that yeah. conversation is. You know what I mean? And make it real for myself. Exactly. Invest in the character, what that character's background and what their motivation might be and who they want to be in that conversation. And then I plant myself as authentically as I can in that conversation. So when I audition now, I don't audition. I just want to have a good conversation. And, 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 and you know that's what we've done with the show. And we, you know, when we launched our show back in January, one of or last January, yeah, last January. One of the things that I wanted to do, you know, we I watch and listen to other podcasts from time to time. I don't do a whole lot of that because I want to stay authentic to our yeah. show. And I'm scared if I listen to too many, I want to implement what they're doing. I, I don't want to do that. Right. And but there have been some I've, I've done before we launched the show, and I'm like, you know since we were starting with artists, I was like, you know, every show I've been, they talked about music, but nothing about their life. Right. And I'm like, I was like, there's where we'll be different because we're going to give people up to 60 minutes. You know, we're going to let them talk about their life, their story and all that, because we'll, they'll actually have time to dig deep into their life. And I was like, that's how we're going to connect. Because again, I got to have conversation and I feel like that if I'm someone who asks a question and lets you answer, then I ask a question and let you, if that's what I have to do to make it, I'll quit. <laughs> that's not, yeah. that's okay. not me. I want to have yeah. fun. I want to enjoy a good conversation. And speaking of conversations, you know, we had no idea we were met for this. Um, We've been married 18 years. Oh, congratulations. And, yeah. 
pace. And through the 18 years, and she would get upset sometimes with us, we'd be on the streets and we I run we run into somebody. I'm not talking about friends, I'm talking about strangers. And I would end up two, three minutes in a conversation and she would know, oh God. It's done went to a deep level. Oh, yeah. And she would know every time. when that happens, we're there 60 minutes. And she would sometimes roll her eyes and all that. And I've done that thousands of times in our 18 years. And now we laugh about it because we look back and we're like, we're just <laughs> was being prepared for this show. Oh <laughs> yeah, we just didn't know it. We time. just didn't know it at the time. You're going to you're going to like your 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 talk show school in real time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now granted, there were some heated conversations. Um because there were because at one was, point huh? of my life, if you didn't agree with me, I'd let you know it and vice versa. Uh, I've learned now, you know what? If I don't agree with somebody, let them have their say. I don't have yeah. to always um, I like peace now, <laughs> you know, so, so it's like, you know, so that's a battle I don't want to take today. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Well, I got to tell you guys, you have, you have really infectious energy about the way that you go about this conversation and interviews. And I feel, you know, we've never met and I already feel like it's like we're at a kitchen table. You know what I mean? Yeah. Rick in the background. I got my picture of my kids in the background, the guitar right here. Like it's just, it just feels, it doesn't feel like we're having a show. It just feels like we're just, like it's just having a kitchen party. You know those kitchen parties where, yeah. you know what I mean? That's the goal. You know, I love that you said that because to be honest, that's the goal of this show. It is. Is to that's feel like, okay, we're just a couple of buddies talking yeah, and the world's just, watching over us. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's really cool. And like to to, to to end that that uh, that point I was making, that changing uh, my philosophy to make acting about the conversation and not actually performing. Yeah. Yeah. Right. My career just went boom after that wow. because I really mm -hmm. started coming in my truth, and along with adhering to my values of you know work life balance and being with my kids and being. And, and being there and being present with them as much as I want to be present with my work really shifted and, and settled things down so I wasn't destabilized as much anymore and I wasn't going through those ups and downs. So even through like not getting a gig or getting a gig, instead of going like this all the time, I kind of uh -huh. came this way, which is uh, a wonderful place to be, you know? And that's kind of where we have been, you know, because, you know, we're kind of chasing the same dreams that you and, and artists and actors are because, you know, we want to be the Kelly Clarkson show. Yeah, so we're chasing platform. that dream like everybody else. And so it's like, you know, so sometimes we're like, OK, is this person going to be our breakthrough? Is it, you know, so and, you know, yeah. and there's and then there's like and then, of course, big news hit yesterday. And that actually um uh, messed up one of the interviews we were supposed to have yesterday yeah, and we're sitting we here like we lost that. an interview because of a TMZ story and we're sitting yes, here like that broke, that broke yesterday and we're sitting here like um okay we have moved to a higher level here we were actually wow. we were affected TMZ by a TMZ story, story. and I'm sitting there like okay this is this this is different yeah, that's amazing. That's a, and you know, when you talk about Kelly Clarkson, I really have a lot of admiration for her. You know what I mean? And her oh, yes. journey, like where she started from and who yeah. she is, how grounded she continues to be. And oh, she's yes. so likable and so, you know, like just so, I can't even, like just normal. You know what I mean? She's yes. not. And just to mm -hmm. from, come from where she is and to, to land with just talent and persistence where she is now. And just to be yeah. that person, just goes to show that you guys are on the on the fast track. You know what I mean? Like you guys are that that's not out of the it's not like a diamond in the rough. Like you just actually be yourselves and being your truth and you sky's the limit. And that's what I that's my philosophy on my own career and, yeah. and you know, what people have to and you know, I remember when we launched, I asked a Nashville friend of mine, and this goes into what you just said. Oh, it does. Um, yeah. I remember asking him, what advice would he give us for our show? And because he did a podcast years ago. And I remember him telling me, he says, what if you do be and stay authentic? He says, because you could tell every Bobby Bones joke. 
you could tell every type Bentley Joe. He says, you might even create an audience doing that because you might be pretty good at that. He said, but the day will come when authentic Chris comes out. And when that day comes, you're going to lose every bit of your audience because they were never attracted to authentic Chris. They were attracted to fake Chris. So if you start with your show right from day one as authentic and be you and always be you, then you might grow slower, but you'll gain the right audience. Oh, my gosh. That is invaluable, invaluable advice. I love that so much. And I align with that because I remember being young and and – you know, when you're young and you're just really trying to figure out who you are and you have yeah. these dreams mm-hmm. and aspirations, you try on different jackets to see if they fit. Like if you sure. can be this person and that person and that person. Yeah. And yeah. Sure enough, you know, the older you get, the more that advice holds true. Because as yeah. soon as you put on a jacket and you try to be somebody else that you're not, sooner or later you got to take that jacket off and you're left with yeah. your true mm-hmm. self. You know what I mean? And that's, I really connect with that. That is awesome. And you know, I I remember hearing a quote before that you can only be a second class someone else, but always a first class you. Oh my gosh. I should have a pen and paper for all the (laughs) money you've given me today. (laughs) Honestly, that that is awesome. I love that. I love that. So as you know, a lot of people, they see the actor, the artist, the person, but they don't see the team behind them. And in my honest and humble opinion, the teams never get enough love. On our show, Mm -hmm. they get love. So if you want to take a couple minutes just to tell us a little bit about the team that helps you be who you are. Oh my gosh. Well, I've got a pretty stellar team and it's grown organically over the years. And I'll start with my, with my family my mom and dad, my brother and sister, and my kids, uh, my girlfriend right now, such love and support and uh, allowing me to, 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 to be the person that I am and to, 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 to really go for my dreams. And it's really blown up over the last few years. And as far as the business side of it, um, Natasha Trisco has been a godsend as far as the agent that she is. And, and, and really just, you know, you can, I'm sure you've heard of actors being pigeonholed into like a, a stereotype of what people yeah. think that they should be doing. Yeah. yeah. So she would actually send me to auditions where on paper I had no business being in the room or, or <laughs> thought that I should be in the room. And I would continue to land these really eclectic roles. And she just kept going saying, oh my gosh, well, just keep going the way the direction we're going, we won't have any plan. We'll just wow. throw you in yeah. and see what happens. And it's just been so beneficial to have somebody in my corner that believes in me as an artist and not just the way that I look and how it might, uh, at uh, first impressions, what I should be doing. And then yeah. um, in terms of artistry, I, I give full props to the actor that I am today to my acting coach, Deb Podowski. Without her, I would never be where I am today and, uh, and, and be the kind of artist that I, that, I, that I knew that I could be. And then most recently, uh, Casey Kitchen and Jen Lee at Mark PR, they're just, uh, they're the secret sauce. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like oh, wow. they've just, they just uh, actually, you know, um, there's artistry, there's getting me in the room, and then there's oh. my brand in ways that I don't know how to do. You know what I mean? Um, and in a professional and a very calculated way. And make no mistake, being in the business of any kind of art, you actually have to have a business model. You have to actually know your brand and how to extend that and really cultivate that so that people can understand who you are as a person and as an artist. And they've really been amazing in helping me do that. I love that. And talking about secret sauce, we've got a secret sauce. We um, do. A, a, yes. third, a third co-host. He's our nine-year-old. She's going to go get yes, him. Yes, his but name we, is oh, we, we always have him come on and ask a couple questions yeah, to each guest. Uh, oh, my gosh. We're, that's we're trading him up. You guys do that. That's amazing. <laughs> that's we got a 20... We got a 23 month old little daughter that when she gets older, we'll be plugging her in the show because we are a family affair show. Oh, and that's man. our secret sauce is being a family a show. That's amazing. That's awesome. That is so awesome. I really admire that. I mean, 
just being a dad, I just know, like, you know, with my kids, there's just been such a, such an evolution with, uh, with their journey and watching them and just, uh, I love it. I love it. Thank you. And, you know, uh, th that's one thing is I wanted, you know, like you were saying earlier, you were, you're at the point in your life now where you want to make sure you pull the family together. And when we launched the show, that was my intent. I was, you know what, we're going to find a way to pull the family together. And you know what, I think we, <laughs> Hi, hey, how are you? I'm doing good. So what's your favorite food? What's my favorite food? Oh my gosh. Cheeseburger and fries. Like if, mm. if I had a last meal or like I if, if I'm going out and I'm at a restaurant, I just kind of look at the burger selection. That's my favorite food. What's yours? Mine is pizza. Pizza? What kind of pizza? Mm, uh, pepperoni and sausage. You know what? My my son, who's 15 years old, that's his go-to, pepperoni pizza all the time. <laughs> okay, next question. All right, so what's your favorite episode of the Astronauts? Oh, my gosh. My favorite episode of the Astronauts, I think, would have been the first episode where, where they're launched into space and it gets really emotional and they're scared. And then the parents are down and they're like, and I'm – I like I like that they caught the emotion where I'm just like, oh my gosh. Because that character to me is closer to who I am than any character I've ever played. Because that guy is a dad and I love being a dad. So yeah. Okay. And what's your last question? Oh, yes. That's what I'm <laughs> All right. Bye, Jake. Bye. <laughs> we're, we're not training him up. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's it. funny because, you know, we always have, you know, we launched a website years ago called New Country Buzz. We've had always had a lot of contacts in Nashville. Yeah. But I never imagined in we my wildest dream that we would have contacts in major contacts in Nashville, in LA and New York. Never imagined that. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> we would have never thought that. And so now we're sitting here like, okay, maybe all this is for them and we don't know it yet. Oh my gosh. I like that. I like that. <laughs> so we're like, okay, let's just see if he can do stuff on camera. So yeah, we're working he, on that. He wants to have his own podcast someday, he says. So try to get him trained <laughs> up here. <laughs> what kind of what kind of things is, is he into? Is he into um uh, uh, uh like the television shows and sci-fi? Oh kind of he, he Loves anything on Nickelodeon right now, and he's getting into movies now. He's becoming but mostly Nickelodeon fan. right now. In fact, stuff, what's been cool because of the show is you know some of his favorite people that's on the Nickelodeon. We've been able to reach out to their teams and get them on the show. Oh yeah, <laughs> so, we've had uh, a couple of people from Side Hustle on the show. Yeah, one of his favorite shows is Side movie. Hustle. We we had um Kurt on there. Yeah, and. We, and one of the one of the kids also on there, mm -hmm. and then we and we've got one of the girls from Side Hustle coming on in a few months. Yeah, oh, wow. yeah, we've had five or six Nickelodeon people that he really likes to come on. So, and the very remember the very first one that we had on. Um, she's a big time singer and and also an actor and all that now. Um, Allie Brooke. And oh, yeah. he, he sat down. You could tell he was a little shy on that one. He was because uh, he really liked her. And, and, and you, I was like, "Oh God, he's shy. he's like blushing." Yeah, because that's <laughs> normally. Yeah, but, uh, and so it was, you know. And I learned. I've had a major learning experience with Ash with um with her. The um, valley. Mm -hmm. As I remember, we we've been an audio um. Only for up to that up point. to that point, and, and I, and I said, you know what? I want the very first video when we as we move in the video to be somebody big. Yeah. So all of a sudden, Ali Brooke becomes that, and I'm sitting there like, um, like oh, oh yeah, this is great. The first this is awesome. One. Well, we get partly through the video. You know, as you know, your first time doing it, it's not going to come out the way you want it. Yeah. And it yeah, did. vision and it changes, right? Yeah. StreamYard kept kicking her yeah, off the system. We, we, we had, had all no kinds background of. We, we had just, a, a green just a green screen. screen. For part of it up here, you could yeah. see the wall. I was half off the camera. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, yeah. and I'm sitting here like, oh, my God. <laughs> 
I <laughs> should have um, had a few other people that that love us to test to test this out to kind of do a couple of these um, before. <laughs> I remember one of the fans commented on the Frozen Alley. Yeah, she because she froze one so point much. and he says, "Oh, I like Frozen Alley." Frozen Alley. You know what's but, gonna be interesting when you guys like two, three years from now, when you guys are doing like worldwide and you're, you know, even bigger than you are now to go back to that first video and check it out and maybe yeah. show, show it in you and go back to interview her. What's funny is the very first audio we did January 3rd of 2020. I remember and um, we had two interviews set up that day and I told Sandy, I was like, I never used the, we were using blog talk for it. First time First ever. time ever. And I was like, okay, I can handle the talking, but I don't have a problem talking. Even if if it gets quiet, I can make up something. Oh, yeah. No big deal. Yeah. The problem I have is I was fear of technology. technology. And I guess God, the world, whatever you want to call it, heard me and says, okay, if your biggest fear is it is it cutting out, then let's make sure you experience that the very first thing. We were two or three minutes in with Ashlyn Grace and her, it, she went out. And I was like, and all of a sudden Sandy comes running in the other room because yeah, we were on different phones. What happened? Oh. And, then, and then Ashlyn texts me, what happened? I don't know. <laughs> so we all call back into the show. It's still live. And, wow. and, and, and I had to do some editing later, of course, mm -hmm. but we finished it up. And I remember reaching out to a friend of mine that evening who who done a lot of blog talks. And I told him what happened. He says, out of 500 shows I've done, he's I've never heard that happening. Oh my but God. it happened to us. The, never happened since. No. When we, wow. we did, we did, we did like over 200 shows on that in, in that way. And it never had that issue again. Just that very first one when I said that was my biggest fear, I was like, I guess it, I was supposed to get that out the way so we can do the show. That's so <laughs> crazy. I remember watching because I watch a lot of actors talk about their careers on uh, YouTube, yeah. and I this one Broadway actor was talking about getting this amazing role after not being a Broadway actor. He was trying to do film and television. Uh -huh. Mm -hmm. Really, he's got this amazing lead on uh, on Broadway, and then he had this moment where right before he like they're already launched a show. And he's in front of like ten thousand seat you know theater. Oh and wow! So this part in the song, he's like, "I don't want to mess this up. I hope they." <laughs> and sure enough, he blanked. Like he oh, blind, wow. and down. everybody around from stage manager to the orchestra guy to his co-star was giving him the line and he still couldn't connect with the line oh, wow. in his head. It's interesting yeah. to do that, you know what I mean? I've yeah. I'm like afraid of this monologue and I'll go into the monologue and I'll just like, I'll just like, Every, every, it's almost like you forget the English language, you know, go. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, and what's funny is now I, I better knock on wood here, but I haven't really blacked out. And our show's live. So I don't, yeah, you know, I do everything live. in my power not to have to edit. And the video, I can't edit. So, you know, whatever's there is there. Um, but there have been a couple of shows when we weren't video that I did have to edit on the audio side. Yeah. Uh, right. But for the most part, we're a one take show. And you know what? It's it's yeah. like, you know, and again, that's that's the rawness on one of the show is I want people who watch it to realize, oh yeah, they you know, they, one side or the other may have goofed up that word, but you know what? Yeah. You know, it's raw, it's fun. Yeah, it's real. and it's a conversation because again, a real conversation is not perfect. Totally, totally. And you can get that fly on the wall kind of feeling, and then through that rawness you can have some really cool magical moments happen you know really cool Absolutely. and you know what's funny too is we've had some of the best conversations right because when you know right after the show when once we go on live um we still talk to each guest sometimes and sometimes we're sitting there like why didn't i keep this thing live <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> you, know, you know that that reminds me of you know the band U2 and uh -huh. yeah. Bono and Edge, right? Edge was in this interview I was watching on YouTube, and he talked about 
this chaotic, um, this, this beautiful chaos that was created for them when they were recording their songs. And so they would go to the studio and they would have this plan of recording this song and laying down the bed tracks for the song. And while they're getting everything set up, inevitably, 100% of the time, somebody in the band would start doing something, a new one on an idea that they have, and then the other guys would kick in, and that new thing, the sound engineer would be, have a presence of mind and press record. That literally <laughs> would be the beginning of like, you know, a big song. Of the next song where the streets have wow. no name or like wow. you know, wow. Street. And he said that a majority of their most iconic songs came by accident in those mm -hmm. scenarios where the sound engineer would be like, I will continue to press record and not stop because we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing. Which yeah, is really because sometimes you do get um, accidents that happen, or sometimes you get lucky. Like I remember hearing an interview one time not long ago with Mark Cuban, and I remember someone asked him about um, if he had to start today, could he be a billionaire? And he said, "I, I would always be a millionaire." He says, "There's no no way around that." He says, "He says, but because of the way tech is and how I launched." He says, I, I hit a trend at the right time that made me a billionaire. He says, I would never repeat that. I can totally feel that. You know, it's, it's almost like those, I don't know, it's, it, it reminds me of being on set and, and you want to create an environment where just magic happens, that organic thing where somebody pauses or somebody does something that you weren't expecting and it creates that emotional reaction and that's where you get that on camera and like that is a take you know what i mean and i've had moments like that or i've seen moments like that in real time and it's uh, it's like it's like that moment that you just that opportunity and it never happens quite like that again you know what i mean so yeah, yeah. that's like we've got i won't say who but we did we did a whole interview with a person that they didn't like and it was because our people weren't wasn't on there. Right, their team. So team. it didn't go as good as it could have. Mm -hmm. But that this one they didn't want live, so we didn't go live. No, it. we didn't. And um, so they want a repeat of this coming up, and I'm sitting there like, okay, this went so good. Yeah. Now, now I've had the repeat before, but I remember um, when we we had a repeat. In the Done past, because time. the person now knows the direction I'm going, yeah, it yeah. wasn't authentic, and I'm hoping oh. that we can still make it as authentic as possible. I think we will. I mean, I'll I still be so. fine. It's, it's a um, person because again, that. when I do conversations, I never know where they're going to go. So, so they might think they know where it's going. I might end up by accident taking it somewhere else. So, but you know, but again, it's one of them things that where you know. I don't give questions to people for the most. I mean, there's been a few that's asked, and I'm like, well, I can get, I can send you my base questions, but when you, when it's over, you will see that I probably didn't hit many of them. Oh wow, <laughs> that's so cool though. That's so cool. I mean, like, it just it gives you that foundation of like where you want, what you want to do in the conversation. But like, the magic is, is that you don't even get to half of your questions because the conversation is so yeah. good. Yeah. yeah, and that happens a lot, and I like that because again. I have them because every now and then I'll ask a question and uh, guests will have a three word answer. Oh, yeah, and, and, and I'm like, okay, this is going to be fun. And so there are times where I have to really push to get the guests to open up. And um, and I remember one time, I love this one. Now, this has nothing to do with this. This guy could talk. So, so oh, yeah. this part wasn't it. But I remember as I was going, because um, going with this, this I, said, I asked something. And I remember this one artist said uh, to me, you know, I really prefer to stay on music when I do interviews. And I asked him, I was like, did you um, read our tagline? And he says, no. I was like, it's called Up Close and Personal. He says, "Oh," and then he and then he got to thinking. He says, "You know, to be honest, I probably have said more personal stuff on here than I normally do." I was like, "Okay, that's what I want to hear." Now let's move uh, on. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
That's so funny. I like how you said, um, did you read our tagline? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because again, you know, if you're going to come on our show, I don't expect you to dig your dirty laundry out, but you're no, going to get personal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's, it's, it makes it far more interesting and far more of a conversation if you're real. You know what I mean? Yeah. Rather than like giving those three word answers or like having your catchphrases that you tell, that you say to every interview. So I appreciate that for sure. And I still have fun and believe me, in fact, I have, sometimes I have more fun on the ones that are like that because then it becomes a challenge. I'm like, okay, let's get this person oh, yeah, to open let's up. See how much um, and I, I remember we had one guest on and his PR person called called me. We were, were friends and says, look, Chris, be easy on this person. This is kind of his first interview. He's really nervous. He, he doesn't talk much. So it's going to take a lot. Oh, I remember that. Way. And I was, like, oh, I, was like, I was like, just let me do my job, you know. Um, and I remember we're like 10 minutes in. And I'm like, what does she think she's talking about? Because this guy could talk. And oh, we're wow. sitting here like. Oh, yeah, he was out talking I'm, I'm sitting here like, what in the world's going on here? I was like, is, I mean, is she punking me here? <laughs> I, when, yeah, when it was over, I remember calling her up. I was like. I was like, what do you mean he can't talk? She goes, I listened to that whole thing. I have never heard him talk like that. She wow. goes, whatever you did, you've got something special there. I was like, but I just talked to him. You know, and, and, and yeah, and, so, really and you know what? When, when they don't talk much, I I still enjoy it because I enjoy what we do. You know, sometimes it's hard, harder. It just puts a more challenge on the way. It's like with acting, you know, there are challenging roles. And True. speaking of challenging, what is a role that's been your most challenging? Oof. Role that's been the most challenging. I would say that. I would say that the paradigm shift or the shift for me as an actor. Um was doing the movie uh, Come to Daddy with Elijah Wood. Oh, wow. It was a small cast of like, I think five or six of us, maybe seven of us. And I had this one big scene with, uh, with Elijah Wood. And I remember the audition and they didn't really give you any backstory of this guy named Ronald Plum, who was, um, who was the sheriff. And, you know, if I'm being, if I'm being honest, I wouldn't necessarily say it was challenging, more of like, yeah putting myself in a in a zone that is not a zone that I normally travel in, which is really yeah. trying to create something from 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 just the text and no background. And so I made this guy living in his mom's basement in this small town and he plays a lot of like video games and mm -hmm. because of his stature and because of his like physique, he just fits the mold for that town to be sheriff. But if he was in a big city, there's no way he would pass any of the tests to be a sheriff. So his idea of policing is what he imagines it to be and what he reads wow. in like comic books or sees on television. And so the, the, the dialogue was as such that I could actually really expand on that. And so it became like a really funny scene in a very dark, dark thriller. And, uh, and that was, that was that was challenging. And then just being in a, in a situation where you're you're working opposite somebody like Elijah Wood that you've actually you know uh, watched and admired their work for a very long time, and now you're it's just you and them in the scene. And then just getting over that and just landing yourself in that scene was just really really gratifying. You know. Well, I love that. So tell us a little bit about Snowpiercer. Yes. Will Piercer is is a wild, wild ride. Um I remember auditioning for that role and I I had, and I remember watching the, the movie with Chris Evans and I thought it was very, very cool. Uh, and I was surprised at how much I liked the movie because it wasn't oh, wow. there was a lot of hype about that movie. Yeah. So Snow Piercer, um my role is as playing a character named Jack Boot Jack Boot Caffey and uh it's part of the military police on, on Snowpiercer. And it's just really an amazing, especially in this time of this global pandemic and being isolated yeah. Yeah. and it having sort of an apocalyptic feel, especially last year around March and May. Um, mm -hmm. And just the separation of classes, you know, it really, 
It really lends itself to that. And just the individual journeys on Snowpiercer and what happens to these to these characters, where in a lot of these situations, you can almost tell where this character is going to evolve to and what's going to happen to that character, whether they live or die, whether they find love, yeah. whether they find redemption, or whether they continue on their path in that character or with that integrity of that character. And on Snowpiercer, it's the one show where people will flip on the, on end, where you you feel like you know where that character is going to be, and you're emotionally connected to that character, and you like them or you don't like them, and then all of a sudden, mm-hmm. episodes in, they're actually wait a second, that's <laughs> actually a good person. Oh wow! Wow. Whereas before yeah. they, they look like a two dimensional bad guy. Mm-hmm. You peel back the layers, and that's that's one of the beautiful things about the writing of that show. Is as you continue to go along on the journey of the show, you peel back the layers and you can you can see uh, why that character is the way that they are. They're kind of like this is us. Pardon me? Kind of like the show This Is Us. Exactly yeah, like that. Story. The further you go along this this journey, and because I think one of the cool things is, is that these snowpiercers isolated, so you're locked in to this Noah's Ark of these characters. <laughs> You're not leaving. You don't get to leave this 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 world unless you actually leave this world. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> and so these characters go through this metamorphosis, this journey, and you're just locked into these characters. You really get connected to them. And and, and like you, I like that you uh, referenced this as us because the further along you go, you can see that there's so much going on uh, as far as that trauma that they've that right. they've, they've been through. And the yeah. secrets that they keep, they hold close. Yeah. And they build up this armor, this this hard armor to protect themselves. But once you peel back, you see this this humanity, which I think is really, really cool. Yeah, that's like we're writing a book called Broken Together. It's about mm-hmm. marriage. When two people marry, they're both broken. And, you know, that made me think of that because we're like, um, when, when, when married couples argue, in most cases, they're not arguing over what's currently happening. They're arguing over their past experiences and past pain. Yeah. But all these time they have this mass, like you just said, their the hearts are a little kind of hardened in. And yeah. then all of a sudden they explode over spaghetti. Oh. Yes. oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. And then you're arguing, you're fighting over something, but it's not actually the spaghetti you're 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 fighting about. Exactly. You know, right. It reminds me, it reminds me that, you know. To get to where you are in this life journey, and uh, I think that everyone goes through some sort of childhood trauma. You know what I mean? Yeah. And understanding where you came from will really, will really decode how you react and how you deal with adversity and conflict interpersonally yeah. and otherwise today. If you can understand exactly. where you, who you are, what you like how you came to be, what your triggers are, what brings you joy, what brings you sadness, then you can actually go forward and, and handle life's adversities because you understand yourself more. Exactly. You know, I've told people, and I don't know if anybody's ever listened to me on this, but this changed me. Uh, I always tell people, you know what, you should sit down and make a goal to write your story out from the, oh, yes. from the moment that you can remember the first pain. Um, write your complete story out, make a minimum goal of 50,000 words. Here's why I say 50,000. If you don't make a goal of at least 50,000, you'll write the good, you'll write the bad, but you won't write the ugly. And the Uh, ugly is where you'll change your life. Yeah. Yeah. Really reconciling with that. You know, one of the biggest life lessons I, that I've learned over the last three years, especially the last two years uh, since my divorce um, and and coming to terms with that trauma and that loss and that grief, and then uh, you know really aligning with my ex-wife, and then her her journey to finding happiness with her with her now fiance, and then me finding happiness with my girl, and then our yes. individual families. Mm. The lesson that I learned is that in this life, you're an active participant. Things just don't happen to you. So if there's yeah. any any bad things that happen to you or any good things that happen to you or that happen in your life. You're an active participant. You've made choices mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. bring about that 
that incident or that unhappiness or that. Mm-hmm. So you have to acknowledge, you have to accept those responsibilities yeah, and be accountable to what's happening in your life because you're actually participating in it. So if you can acknowledge how you participated in the success of a relationship or the demise of the relationship, then you can actually move forward and evolve and grow. Exactly. I love that. So as we come to a close here, what's a piece of advice that you would give someone, whether they're an artist or an actor that's chasing that same dream you are? Oh my gosh. Understand that this journey is your own. You know, one of the things that I, that I, that I see within myself early on in my career and one of the things that I see in, in young actors today that ask me for mentorship is that this business can really pr- prey on your, your, your self-confidence, your self-esteem, mm-hmm. and you can compare yourself to others that are the same age or what you perceive to be the same category as you are and, and hold that, that emotionality of like, why is it happening to me or, or whatever? Why do they get those opportunities? Yeah. And why do I get that? Or why am I getting this and they're getting that? The thing about it is, is that this is your journey, right? Mm-hmm. Your own journey. You're carving, you're trailing your own, you're trailblazing your own path. And so if you hold true to yourself and discover what your voice is and what is your truth, then you will have success. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So really hold true to yourself. And people always tell you, you have to be true to yourself, but really wrapping your head around what that actually means for yourself and not comparing yourself to like, because in today's age of social media and everything, you can be really distracted and really destabilized, but really hunkering down to that is the path to happiness and success, in my opinion. Yeah, HBO even did a um, talking about the being true to yourself. A- HBO did a recent thing, and I think it's not aired yet, um, but where they took three people who wanted to be famous, and they and, and they seen if they could make them fake famous, and it worked. Oh wow! That's scary. And so they were showing That's that crazy. a lot of people who have you know a, a hundred thousand plus instagram followers don't really have a hundred thousand instagram followers they show from what i read from the article i read it was showing how easy it actually is to be fake famous uh, and most people don't know it uh, i don't know it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was like i always wondered um but because you know when you see someone that has one hundred fifty thousand followers and they get one like on things. I'm like, something don't mm-hmm. seem right there. It doesn't this equation doesn't make sense? <laughs> yeah. Now it makes sense. Yeah, you know? totally, totally, totally. So totally. as we come, as we end here, mm-hmm. tell everybody how they can reach out to you, social media or whatever. Oh, thank you for that. Yeah, definitely follow me on Instagram, Garfield A Wilson at Garfield A Wilson, and you can find me on Twitter at Garfield Wilson. Yeah. Love that. And, you know, we definitely enjoyed having you on the show today. We for sure look forward to having you back for some updates. I would love to do that. Thank you guys so much for having me. Oh, thanks for your time.